0: Hey Magic fans, Dante Marcatelli here from the Orlando Magic in Fox Sports Florida. You're listening to the Penny for Your Thoughts podcast from the guys at Orlando Magic UK. Now it's over to Paul, Garrett, and Mikey. Go Magic! Welcome to uh, the latest episode of Penny for Your Thoughts.
1: What is it? Episode 7? And This one is the season review. As always, I'm joined by Mikey and Grant. Evening, guys. Hey, Paul. Good evening. You good, mate? Yeah, very well, very well. However, on this one, we have a very, very special guest. The one and only Dante Marcatelli of the Orlando Magic and Fox Sports Florida. Hi, Dante. Thanks for joining us.
0: Paul Garrett, Mikey, this is an honor. This is a pleasure. It's always great to see you guys, and I'm looking forward to it. It's been way too long. I was hoping. Yeah, unfortunately, um, <laughs> COVID seems to have had all the plans for us, my friend. But it seems hey, to it's, be.
1: It's, it's it's good to catch up with you, even by by Zoom, mate.
0: It's super. Thank you very much for coming on. No, my pleasure. Always good to see you guys. I'm glad you're doing well, and and we hope to see you here soon. Excellent. Okay, we've
1: got a huge amount to get through this week. Um, as we dive through what has been both a shortened season in terms of games, but also elongated in the length of time that the season has gone on. So let's dive straight in there. Um, The Magic season, it saw us finish with a 33-44 record, coming in eighth in the East um, with the 23rd offensive rating, the fifth rating for opponent's points conceded, which um, was better early on in the season. And overall, we were the tenth best defensive team um, in the playoffs. We went with, and yet again, another gentleman's sweep, exiting four-one at the hands of um, the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round stage. So that's kind of a very, very basic overlook at the season. Um, but let's let's start with the positives. So. Everyone, um, I know that we're each going to pick something that we were particularly happy with in the season. So, Dante, can I throw it across to you first? What was was
0: your highlight of the season, my friend? Well, I think it was, uh, number one, just getting back to the postseason. I think getting back there was huge. As you guys know, uh, when you miss the postseason for, for six years, uh, then to get back to the postseason last year was huge. I know that was, uh, we all remember that big win in Boston when you clinched the playoff berth and, and then in the last game of the year. And then last season, just the fact with all the injuries that you had, the devastating news of Jonathan Isaac, losing him again in that restart for the second time this year, uh, the, and then getting everyone back and then finding a way to finish and again make the postseason, given everything that happened this year, I think was a huge success. Uh, I think two things when you look on from that, I think it's Jonathan Isaac's play, you know, when you had him, he was looking like he was going to be in consideration for a defensive player of the year. And you could see the jump that he took. And then when he came back uh, for the second time before the second injury, you saw that jump that he made uh, just defensively how much better he's gotten. And then two is Markel Fultz. I think the addition of Markel Fultz. uh, So in addition to making the playoffs and you have those two guys on an individual basis uh, that I thought were terrific, you see unbelievable flashes with Markel, and he got to finish the season on his terms, guys. I think that's huge. He's not been able to do that in his first two years in the NBA. He gets yeah. to do that through COVID, gets to finish, gets playoff experience. I think all of that is huge for Markel.
1: Yeah, superb. Dante, I wouldn't disagree with you. Garant, what was uh, yours? I think it leads on, actually, from... Uh, well, it what... does. Yeah,
2: yeah, Dante's Dante's touched on it. My My favourite player, number 20... Uh Mark Alfeld, of course um, really playing his rookie season uh you know I think he played uh, seven hundred and three minutes in two seasons before, and he played over twenty one hundred minutes uh last season, uh coming back from that uh thoracic uh, outlet syndrome injury, um which was you know unknown to a lot of people um what to expect, so for him to come through uh show flashes. Um, you know, averaging 27 minutes, scoring 12 points a game, three rebounds, five assists, along those lines. Um, you could see, you know, he's a leader. He's a competitor. He's a, a key piece um, of the jigsaw for us. A guy who can, you know, drive the paint, kick out. Um, what I find most comforting with Marquel, with the ball in his hands, you trust him um, to make the right move, be it a pass, you know, to an open player or just to drive, drive at the hoop, get the contact, um, you know, uh, and finish. So, the um, sky's the limit for the guy. Um, and that's just, you know, year one. Um, so, as a 22-year-old, you know, let's look for him to progress and um, expect big things of him.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mikey, yours. Um, I think yours is going to be one of that is probably an awful lot of Magic fans' favourite moments of the season.
3: Yeah, it was that um it was that win against the Lakers in January, wasn't it? Hey, yeah. I think that was a massive win. Um a bit of a coming out party for Foltz carrying on from, from G and Dante. There's
1: a theme here, isn't there? Yeah, there is, isn't yeah. there? Um
3: <laughs> but yeah, triple double. Um and it wasn't just it wasn't the stats, it was the way he finished the game, wasn't it? It was the way he bullied LeBron on a couple of plays and dictated the the tempo on the offensive end. Um I think the other thing that people probably forget about that game was uh, a couple of big dunks by Ag. He was doing his uh, best T Mac impressions off the glass, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and Absolutely. I think had another yeah.
3: one where where McGee pushed him as well, didn't he? When he was in the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so the Lakers the Lakers game was there for me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in a second one because I love Jonathan Isaac. Um, was it and ended on a sour note, but that that return in the bubble with the 13.7 rebounds in that in that seven-minute span was just such a big confidence
1: boost, wasn't yeah. it, when we entered yeah, that bubble?
3: One.
1: Um, mm. So, I'm going to steal two. There you go. Yeah, mate. I think, I mm. think the uh, Jonathan Isaac one is a very, very valid point because uh, that comeback he made in that game, uh, he got us all excited for what we had to come. The other thing about the Lakers one, mate, um, was how short-handed we were. Mm-hmm. Mm. The ga- that game, the, t- the the team that we actually put out was Aaron Gordon, Markell, Vooch, Kem and Wes to start with and from the bench uh, T-Ross, Mo, Gary Clark and BJ Johnson who uh, he had a cracking contribution as well. Um, it, was a, it was a spectacular game. I very nearly went for that one. I went for something slightly different. Um, I went for the comeback road win in uh, February at uh, Brooklyn where... Um, We were 13 points down at the half We'd only scored 41 points in the first half Throughout the third we went to, I think it was 19 points down And the thing that changed it was uh, Vooch's rant And the team reaction to that rant in the third Um, Ross, Terence Ross and Vooch got us rolling on the offence MCW and Mo Bamba fought for absolutely everything on defence and in that fourth quarter, Aaron Gordon actually showed us the player he can be. Uh, it was an absolute masterclass. He was passing the ball. He was great decision-making. He had some fantastic shooting. His positioning, rebounding, and the athletic ability. And in those final three minutes, um, the assists, he hit two huge shots, uh, including a step-back three. Um, and then... There was the clutch rejection from Levert. Um, It was superb. Um, In the final three minutes, I think he was involved in every play. Um, Finished on triple-double as well. I think it was. Was it triple-double he got that night? Certainly 27 points and 10 rebounds. I think he might have dropped short on the assist, thinking on it. But that was the one for me because it just showed the team spirit that we can have. Um, And it was a shame that we didn't see that replicated. When we came to the bubble, I
3: just want to say that was one crazy block.
0: Right at the end of that, how long did he hang in the air
3: for? <laughs> it felt like an eternity.
0: <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And it was during a critical time, guys, as you remember, because they, they just were going through a, a little bit of a struggle, and then kind of started to find something, and, and they needed to get that win, you know, for positioning in the playoffs, and they yeah, found absolutely. a way to, to fight back. And you're right, Vooch got on them, so showing signs of leadership, and then guys responded and. Aaron Gordon just absolutely dominated the final two minutes of that basketball game. You're exactly right with a huge block, and that was that was just incredible. And that Laker game, you know, we met Gary Clark that day. We meet Gary Clark that day, just joined the team. <laughs> yeah, and he absolutely, I forgot that, that day. Yeah, yeah, drills his first two threes, and you're going, "Whoa, wait a minute!" And George Galante, who travels, you know, who tra- you know does PR and travels. Uh, with us as well. We're looking at each other after B.J. Johnson comes in and knocks down a three and then gets that big steal and tomahawk dunk in transition, we're looking at each other saying, he might might be able to do this. This is incredible. So yeah, those those were definitely two highlights. Those are great picks. They they must have been fantastic to be there, Dante. It was. it, It was. The Markell thing was great because, you know, that's, the guy has been through so much. You know, as you mentioned, the thoracic outlet syndrome and uh, you know what kind of guy he is and you know how hard he's worked just to even be on the floor. You saw the training camp that he had. We saw kind of the preseason and getting a little more confidence, a little more confidence. And then to put it together on that stage in L.A., undermanned, as you said, Paul, with all the guys that were out of the yeah. lineup. And, and then to, to find a way to do it was, was just incredible. And then just kind of the look of almost satisfaction and fulfillment at the end of the game. And then they're dumping water on him you know, at the end. It was just a, it was a lot of fun to see. Now, remember, he cramped up there in the last uh, 30 seconds, I think, minute of the game. He played so hard, and uh, you know, he didn't get to finish that game on the floor because of those leg cramps. But uh, he was just, uh, you know, but, but the game was in hand at that point. But, yeah, it just you're so happy for him because he's worked so hard and overcome so much.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. The other one I think was very noticeable as well was the uh, road win in Houston on March the 8th, which, uh, again, was incredible performance. Um, I think we were all a little annoyed at how the, and I don't expect you to comment here, Dante, uh, how the uh, Houston commentary team were quite disrespectful, calling us a mediocre team. Oh, uh,
2: really? No idea. Oh, hear yeah,
1: all. yeah. At that point as well, we got the, one of the best defences in the NBA. The ratings right. were, and they actually called us uh, that they were getting beaten by a mediocre team. So I think as fans, that was... That was quite satisfying
0: to see us beat them that night. That was quite satisfying. I remember they beat them quite handedly, quite handedly.
1: Yeah. And, yeah.
0: But you know what, guys, as impressive as that was, how big was that win in Memphis? You know, the last game we ended up playing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, things started getting weird. We had a meeting in the hotel that day, and they're saying, hey, you can – you know, you're gonna we're going to have this game today, but you can't go near the players. You know, we're not going to be able to talk to the players. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be able to do interviews with the coaches. Um we're going to ride the same bus and ride the same plane, but we can't, we can't talk to them. Uh, <laughs> and just kind of, trying to figure everything out. It was kind of weird on the fly, but um, yeah. And then to just not have much of anything, you just, it was the end of a trip. You had such a great start. You should have really, if you, you know, if you get a shot to go in Miami, you could have yeah. won the first three games, but still you had a great trip and uh, to, to come back and win it the way they did in a place that we just struggled to win throughout our history that was a very satisfying win as well. And remember Landon and just standing there on the tarmac after that trip, and we're all looking at each other thinking, you know, we didn't know what to expect and we didn't know it was going to be shut down, you know, the next day, but thinking, I think they've got something. If they can just, if we can just find a way to keep playing, I think they've got something. And, you know, unfortunately, they, they weren't able to continue.
1: Okay, I'm, I'm going to change things because I know that we were going to ask you a couple of questions later on, Dante, but you've kind of touched on something I know Grant wants to ask you. So, G, fire away with your question, mate.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say um, my question was you know, you, you work so closely with the players, the, the team, or the staff, um, and then you're put into a position in the bubble where you're, you know, you're at the Amway Centre, they're in the bubble. How difficult was that to, uh, you know, to change um, and then to to be able to, you know, broadcast um, and and call the games from a different area, you know? Yeah, no, you're
0: right. You're right, Garen. I mean, it was a tough. The the people that I think were the most affected were David and Jeff. I I think to be actual to, to call it on the fly and to be able to watch a monitor. It was a big screen, 60, 65 inches. But, you know, you're, you're at the mercy of, you know, of whatever the camera is going to show. We didn't have our own cameraman per se. I mean, we had one where we could kind of get extra things on the side, but it was kind of a world feed. So they were one camera for both teams. And you're kind of at the mercy of, of what they're going to show. We worked out a way to be able to show replays after. But for those two guys, they pick up so much. By looking at the bench during timeouts, yep. by watching how mm-hmm. Steve Clifford is interacting with his team, by seeing the, the next substitution so they can see the guy rip their warm up off and they know coming out of that timeout who's going to be coming into the basketball game and they can kind of mm-hmm. prepare their thoughts there. And I'm able to look into the huddle and give them something if there's a little something extra. So while it was strange for me and Brian Hill to be able to walk, you know, walking around an empty arena and having the place to ourselves as strange as that was you know, for them having to react to everything and being at the mercy of that one camera. And uh, that was different. It's a different feeling. Now they did a fantastic job. I think they, I I can't believe how how good of a job they did, but I know that was an adjustment for them, but just, you know, terrific professionals, but just being in an empty building, it it was strange. We tried to generate as much excitement as you could, but, and you know, the fans are the lifeline. The, The fans are what makes this thing so much fun. And to not have them in the building was tough. It was strange. And, and, you know, it's something that I'm hoping we can get back to a full building
2: soon. Yeah, you had a bit of fun um, doing the pregame skits, didn't you? We enjoyed those. We well, we started thinking, we started talking about it, and we said, all right, we got this
0: giant arena, almost, uh, almost what, it's 900,000 square feet to ourselves. What, what can we do? So we brought in wiffle ball bats and footballs, and we <laughs> having, having a catch playing baseball. <laughs> chasing each other around. I mean, we just go for walks around the building, saw areas we've never been to. <laughs> it was it was very strange. <laughs> Brian Hill made himself right at home in the coach's lounge. Coach's It was great. It was it was it was neat to, to see all that. And you know, we got to see guys coming in and Jonathan Isaac was in doing his rehab and Chuma was in doing his rehab and we kind of got to uh, chief, you know, Al Faru So we kind of got to talk to those guys a little bit too. But uh, yeah it was just it was it was just wild and you guys know I mean all all oh, your jobs are different, right? Everybody's working from home now and you're trying to adapt and, and trying to find new ways to do it. And it's, and I think some of these changes are going to be here for good. I think we're going to have a lot of these meetings like this kind of via zoom and all that, as opposed to traveling to, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, j- businesses in general, but hopefully we can get back to normal. We can get back on the plane. We can start traveling. And because you do it for me, there's a lot that I, you know, I'm able to, to tell those guys or, Add on the fly, being in the locker room, outside the locker room, interviewing players, coaches before the game, and, and just having a feel for what's happening. And sticking my head in the huddle and just kind of getting a feel for what's happening, and we, we just didn't get to have that.
1: i just say, though, as, as a retiree, it's not really affected my job. <laughs>
0: That's right. Congrats again. That's right. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about that. Isn't that amazing, guys? He got to retire at the age of 38. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's out of order.
1: That's, <laughs> that's Okay, Dante, can I ask you something? Because we always get to hear... You You always get to put the questions, we get to hear other people's opinions. And it's something I asked Steve Clifford uh, via one of... Well, you asked it for me on one of the um, talks that you had. What's your opinion on the uh,
0: coach's challenge and how do you think it can be improved? Well, I don't think... I think, it, I think it should be more than one. I think if you challenge a play and you get it right, I think you should get another. You should keep your challenge. Yeah, I, I agree. Think you get to use it again. So I think that's something I think they have to, they have to work it out. Sometimes these things happen so fast and you've got a split second to make a decision. And a lot of times, guys, they're looking at David and Jeff or they're looking at the PR guys or if I'm close enough – they're looking at me and they're like, what was it? Was it, you know, they're trying to try to get an instant decision, but Cliff became pretty good at that. He he used it at the right time. And, you know, he was able to see real time, what was and what wasn't. So I think that's one thing I think you need to, if you get it right, you get to keep it. And maybe you get to use it another time or two. Maybe you get three in a game. I know you don't want to keep slowing it down. The other thing is it's got to be faster. I mean, if you don't, if you put the headset on and, and you look in 30 seconds, you can't make a call. You have no idea. Then you stay with the call that's on the floor. I think that to me would be a direction they go. So I know they're talking all this. I know they're trying to fine tune it. I think there's like two or three coaches that, that run the thing. And if they decide they like it, it stays. If they don't, it goes. <laughs> but, but I think there's a, so we'll see what the, what the future of it is. But I, I, I think I'd like to see them keep it. I think there's something there, but I think if you make those two tweaks moving forward, I think that could help a lot this year. Did you guys like it? It was, it was something different.
2: Yeah, absolutely, I did. Um a bit like the NFL, you know, the coaches challenge, throw a flag. Um, if something's not right, you know, you can stand up and actually, you know, challenge right. it. Um, unfortunately, in in this country, in the Premier League, um, you know, the coaches, they can throw their arms at all they want um, and it's, it's in the lap of the gods. Uh, at least with the, you know, the NFL and the NBA system, you've got something there that you can say, hang on a second, was that right? So I like it. We've
0: got the technology, so get it right. that That's the thing. Yep. You're exactly right. Yep. Just find a way to tweak it so we're not all waiting for three minutes while they're looking at the same play that we know is clearly one way or the other. But, I, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see it. i like to I'd just get the call right, whatever it takes. Yeah. I, think, I you, think
3: the fact that Cliff got so many right this year yes. – was, was a testament because the NFL, they have the luxury of having coaches sat up in the booth where they can sit and re- watch replays quickly and determine whether they should use the flag or not. So, yeah, it's definitely good, it's a good thing having the, the challenge. Yeah, I agree. Baseball, and in yeah, baseball, I like it. You
0: get, they, they get to watch it again. They go like this and they make the umpire hold and then they watch it and then they go, no, or they go, yeah, I want to challenge it. And the thing that is tough, guys, and you know this, every single time there's a controversial call, all the players go like this.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, want, yeah. <laughs> want to
0: review every play. So you, as a coach, you have to be, you know, you have to be careful because you only get one challenge. And that to me is where he does his best job. Yeah. yeah. Mikey, far away with yours, Barley.
3: Uh My question for Dante is, uh, what, who's your favourite player to, uh, to work alongside with, interview or hang out with on on the team plane or the hotel? Who's your guys
0: really on. on the current roster? roster. On the current yeah, yeah. roster. Well, I've gotten to know, I've gotten to know, they're, they're all great, by the way. I mean, it, it's fun interacting with all of them and, and we don't get to see them a ton just because their schedule is is so tight. And guys, I tell you, you know, 15 years ago, you know, 20 years ago, I was about the same age as all these guys, but now I've kind of, i am kind of, you know, they're all coming in younger. I could be the, the fathers for a lot of these guys. <laughs> I've gotten to know, I've gotten to know Nick Vucic really well. And I think, all the interactions with all these guys are great, but whenever I see Vooch, you know, I, we kind of chat for a minute or two, and, and just you know, you're just from him having been here so long, and you know, you kind of have a history, and you get to know these guys, and you get to know their families, and and so I, I think you know, whenever I I, I bump into him, it, it's always a, a pleasant interaction, and, and it is with everyone else. But i you know, he's a funny guy. He's really dry. Uh, he you know, he likes to crack jokes. He'll he'll get on guys in the locker room. DJ is another one, you know. DJ is is fantastic. The the things that he says to guys in the locker room is outstanding. It's just, it's outstanding. So there, there's a lot of guys that are that are uh, fun to interact with. But I, you know, I, having known Voots for so long, we we seem to have a little bit of a longer history. And he's funny. I, I think he's a funny guy.
1: That's quite interesting, and,
0: actually, Dante. Because we've all,
1: the three of us, have all done individually the uh, Ultimate Lounge, where you get to spend time in the in the tunnel if you wish to. And the players will stop and sign autographs, photographs and that sort of thing. And the one player who is the most generous with his time and will always stop for a photograph, always stop and have a really good conversation with you, is Vooch. Every single time. So that is really interesting that
0: you find the same being involved with the team. Well, I do. And I, and I think, and it's, and that's interesting. Thank you for pointing that out. Cause I, I think that's very, very interesting for fans to hear, to hear that from you guys. And I think you're absolutely right. And, and they're all very gracious with their time and they all, but I think him having been here the longest, and he's just so invested in this community and yeah. he understands it. And he's a, he's a regular guy, you know, he's not caught up in, you know, in kind of all the stuff that the, that the NBA life can give you or do for you. And he enjoys playing the game and he enjoys the fan interactions and, and all that, you know, and a lot of these guys are like that. I, I tell you, you know, a guy that uh, I've gotten to know since he's come back to Orlando is Eno Turklu. You know, I spent a lot of time with him, obviously, when he was playing, but you walk around this town still to this day, and everybody, Turk, 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 <laughs> and Butch is going to be one of those guys. If he stays here in this town, and, and we expect that he will, and, and you know, continues to have a home here, you know, people love interacting with him, and, and he's genuine. He's, he's the real deal. So I, I think we're very fortunate in coming off a centre that didn't want to be here, to have a guy that does, mm-hmm. I, I think is fantastic. And, and, and fans should really appreciate that.
3: Or as Paul calls him, Hedu. Oh, I knew that
0: was Dante, cool. <laughs> I, <knew. laughs> I
1: just, Dante, I just cannot pronounce that guy's name. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wrong.
3: Dante, let's just tell oh, you, oh, let's just you. say... I don't,
0: Paul, he, I don't think he can say any of yours. <laughs> you're fine.
3: But let's just say Paul has a bit of a, a bit of difficulty pronouncing some players' names that you make. Eh? <laughs> That's true.
0: That's oh I'll well, tell.
2: tell.
0: <laughs> we all know
3: Victor no, Oladipo. That's another one. Victor
0: Oladipu. How about Chuma? Do you have Tuma down? Second out second. Do you have do you have Chuma down? Do you know how to say his name? Um, Chuma Chu oh, I'll, I'll practice. <laughs>
1: I'm getting <laughs> oh the feeling I will have to learn because he's going to, be, he's going to be interesting next season. The guy's going to be good. I think he's got good prospects. Now, I'm going to move on before we embarrass me anymore. <laughs> um, so I want to ask, how do we feel Last the, the season went? Do we feel we've progressed from the
0: 18-19 season or do we take a back step? Well, I think we—I think we made strides in certain areas. I think you know, last year you were the seventh seed. This year you were the eighth seed. So you yep. could argue, you know, you kind of took a step—you you kind of took a step back in seeding. But you look at the injuries. This team was decimated yeah. with injuries, and and whereas the year before you were virtually injury free. I mean, you were able to get through the whole year without any issues, and you're working in a new starting point guard. And you know you you lost Jonathan Isaac, who was the cornerstone of your defense, and you were the best defensive team the final 31 games of the year before, and he, and he was so critical to that. You went through a stretch this year, you know, for a couple of weeks where you were the best offense in the NBA. So you made great strides offensively, uh, and then you regressed a little bit at times defensively, and then vice versa at times. Couldn't score basket for the first couple weeks of the season, but you were an elite defensive team. So it just seemed like a convo. And then you throw in COVID and you're off for three months and you got to try to figure out a way to get back. So that's a very difficult, in my opinion, it's a very difficult question to answer based on everything that was thrown at you this past year. And I think it's tough to evaluate the two uh, because you had, you had so many injuries, but you know, that being said, when you're seven, you're hoping to at least get seven, maybe six or five and, and kind of make progression that way. And and your record wasn't as good, and, and you were eighth instead of seventh. So you could argue record-wise, X's and O's, you weren't as good as the year before. But I think there's a lot of factors that go into that. And, and I, so I, I think it would be – for me, it makes it hard to say. I, so I, I think it was probably all things considered pretty even because I think if you were healthy, you'd have been better. But, you know, if you go by record, no, you, you, you didn't match what you did the year before. Well, we, we certainly
1: lost the, uh, the second easiest running. in Yes. Um, we had, I think it was eight of the next 10 games were at home. Um, nine of them were against opponents at sub-500, which is right. where we had a superb record. Right. Um, and seven of those games were against non-playoff teams.
0: Right. And you had just yeah. won three in a row, and you were playing your best basketball. And so yeah. I, you're right. So had that continued, you probably would have been better. than The, year. the other you're thing,
1: right. I, in looking at this, I didn't realize also – that we were in the same position this year as we were in January of the previous year with a record of 21 and 30. We had the same record. I wasn't aware of that. Mikey, for you, how do you feel for the season?
3: Um, a bit underwhelming, I think. Um, I mean, Dante's already touched on, the injuries played a massive part. Um, I think the biggest disappointment for me was our inability to beat teams above 500. I, we i think Philadelphia probably before the bubble was one of the only teams that we really matched up well with um but Lakers
2: <laughs> yeah on, on the on that away trip yeah that's but,
0: right but
3: but apart from a couple of wins i think we won five maybe six games against teams over 500 that was my biggest disappointment um the teams below you should be beating regardless but again injuries probably pay part of that but um yeah, again, if you look at the records from last year to this year, I think it's, it's not a step backwards, is it? With When you consider the players we've had missing and, and, and looking ahead to next season with Isaac probably not going to be uh, appearing, um, then, yeah, it's a bit underwhelming, but
1: I'm, I'm not too surprised. But you and I, Mikey, because I know before the season started, you and I were having conversations about could we actually push for home-court advantage. So perhaps that's where some of the underwhelming feeling comes from, that we didn't reach the heights that we felt we could. But there's so many factors that have have contributed to that. But if you
3: think of the feel-good factor we had coming off the playoffs last year, again, we started the season slowly, didn't we? So if you thought, if again, if we'd have got off to a better start, it would have been a completely different season, wouldn't it? Um, Yeah. So... Yeah, it, I think maybe that's a, another disappointment, really, was the fact that we got off to another slow start. Um, so maybe that's something we've got to look at next season because that's two years in a row, isn't it? We're, we're playing catch-up as the season goes on.
0: Um, yeah, true. Yeah, you've got to have a better start. No, you're right. And I think, you know, you're going into a playoff series against Milwaukee, at the best record in the NBA, and you're looking at, uh, you know, you're starting James Ennis and Gary Clark two guys that hadn't started many playoff games and two guys that you kind of were just getting to know right before COVID, you know, shut it down. So you, you had so much thrown against you with those injuries, but there was that one game and I forget if it was, maybe it was a Sacramento game or the Philadelphia, I forget what game it is, but where you brought Markel, Jonathan Isaac and Ken Birch off the bench and they all three walked in and just went to work, just wreaked havoc uh, on whoever it was we were playing in that game. I, I forget that particular game, but, you're thinking, oh, we got something here. And then in one fell swoop, unfortunately, we, we lost Jonathan Isaac. But the, the injuries make it hard. They make it very hard to evaluate that. We were so injury-free the year before. And it just – it's so – if nothing else, yeah, you, you have to take the injuries into account. and It, it kind of makes it a wash, I think. Grant, uh, I know you've uh, not had a chance to say on
1: this
2: yet, mate. So disappointed or satisfied or somewhere About- in between? About the same, yeah, in between. Um, you've picked up on a lot of points. I, uh I had a little research. Um, did a bit of research for this afternoon. Um, get injuries, slow starts. We started three and seven, not great. Um, but when you compare it, you just try and think of the positives of this season. Um, we've got we've got our point guard now. I know I seem like like bang on about Mark Fultz all the time, but we've got our future star there, Isaac. Again, he's another key building block. Um, you've got jumo Okiki um, in the background who didn't play last year. So essentially we're going to have two rookies this year. You know, we're going to have, is uh, it pick 15 and Okiki coming in. Um, Vucevic has been solid throughout. Now, I know you get a, a lot of fans, you know, wanting more all the time, but these things take time. And um, what was also impressive was we, we didn't go Backwards in terms of you know we didn't drop out of the playoffs like Dante said earlier, Um, and it's building a winning culture. Now I'll probably get slated for saying a winning culture when we're eighth seed, but there's a bit more to it than that. You you've got to have you know a level and stick to it. So uh, for me, uh, whilst being a little bit underwhelmed, you've got to try and look at the positives about it all. We found a couple of diamonds in the rough, like you've picked. Up on in Gary Clark, James Ennis, um, Wester Wundu. You know he's playing superbly off the bench. His hustle. And um, you know if you had twelve Wester Wundus on the floor every night, you know you'd go home from the arena satisfied that the team has you know left everything on the floor. So um, yeah, it's it is what it is. It is what it is. Let's you know look forward to next season. There's positives there, and um, yeah, we'll go from there. I think you're right. Of- if
0: you look at an individual standpoint, you're right. Sorry, guys. I mean, Booch has emerged in this day and age. The five, your, your center has to be able to shoot the threes, and he's done that. Look, look at the postseason that Booch had. He put numbers together that guys yeah. that size have almost never done before. Um, so he's emerged. How much of that can carry over? You've got the best, one of the best three point shooters in the NBA off the bench in Terrence Ross, and, and just can yeah. get it going. Just like that. So you've established a couple of those guys. Markel Fultz got his rookie season out of the way. He's able to play. Eventually, you're going to bring Jonathan Isaac back. Who knows what Chuma has? Can Aaron Gordon make a step? You know, are we ready for, for him to kind of kind of emerge? And, and Michael Carter Williams, to me, means so much to this team. Yeah, yeah. And I know they got a big decision to make. And, you know, money, if they're able to bring him back. And I, and I hope that they are. But he was a great piece. And, and you're right. They had a lot of finds and a lot of guys that were just good fits came together well.
1: Grant, I know that you've got one more question for Dante, and we are beginning to run a bit short on time. So, fire away with that, mate.
2: Who is your least favorite team, Dante, in the NBA? <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, it's Miami, right? I mean, when you're in the, the in-state, rivalry, right? When you're supposed to be supposed to be uh, in-state, I just love bringing that rivalry back. And, and you know what? what hurt a little bit was I was watching that finals run, and I'm thinking – you know, they're, they're part of the Fox Sports family. So, you know, we love them. We joke around and all that stuff. But, um, you know, when you go down to Miami, everybody's got the rings on, and they show you their rings. The ushers are going around, yeah. and they kind of flaunt it in your face. And that whole in-state rivalry thing really kicks in. But watching them in the finals last year, I was so impressed. I, I was so impressed, and it was hard to not root for them. It, it really yeah. was, I thought. I don't know how you guys felt, but – You know, it it just something about it. It was just hard to to not. They did everything the right way. They played hard. They overachieved. uh, They had guys that came together, and it was it was really was a fun thing to watch. So it was it was hard to kind of have that feeling because I always like to play up that in-state rivalry.
3: I'll be honest. I I didn't watch. I didn't watch. I didn't watch the finals. Made me sick watching the Lakers and the Heat. So (laughs) I'm
0: done. There you go. (laughs) So now I'll shift my attention to the Lakers. The Lakers are my least favorite team. There yes, you go. There that you is go. the correct answer. <laughs> you, you don't know how happy that's made your go. answer. Tonight. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There's a lot of complaining. Every dead ball, there's a lot of complaining. Yeah. Isn't on that team? yeah. Now they're I good. Think Fournier, they're, the, they're the champs. Evan, but...
2: pe- Evan picked up on that on some French um, TV broadcast. He said every time, even in the, in the bubble when it was the warm ups, I think we played them in game two, didn't we? And every time it was just chipping away to the referees. So, yeah.
1: I mean, they've yeah, got their um, way, but they it's worked. not the right way, is it? No, no, no.
0: Well, They'll guys, play that up, won't they? Now that they're the champs, they'll play that up. You can't you can't make them upset now. They, they, it worked. It worked. It's all jealousy, apparently. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly.
1: But, guys, this has been superb. I would love it to continue a bit, but uh, I know that we are a little bit limited on time. So, Guys, everyone, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for watching and listening. Uh, We do appreciate everybody out there who likes or follows, comments. We always want you to become involved. Um, Keep subscribing uh, to all our social media accounts. As always, I say, get involved. And uh, Dante, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining us. We genuinely do appreciate
0: it. No, it's my pleasure, guys. Paul, Garrett, Mikey, you guys are great, and i I'd do anything for you guys. So shout out anytime. It's great to talk to you. We love talking. We love chatting with you during the broadcasts. We love interacting with you during the season, out of the season, and, and you've become favorites of ours. So uh, we appreciate it. And best thing of all, let's get you back in the building, get you over here at some point, okay? Let's figure out a way to do this safely. Those We're fingers are crossed. Uh, we can't wait. Yeah, fingers crossed, and, and we can't wait to have you guys back in the building. Or bring us over there. You know, we love coming over there, I'll tell you. Bring the magic <laughs> we back. Want back the, we want you back for the for a London game. Yeah, yeah, bring us back over there. We had so much fun. We'd be happy to do it. <laughs> great Thank seeing you guys. Thank you, Dante. Thank you Cheers, Dante. Thank you. You guys, take care.